Hello, you're listening to audio from First Church Butler. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit butlerfumc.com and connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at First Church Butler. This past Friday evening, I had the honor of celebrating the life of Eugene Cousins. Gene was the father of our own Tom Cousins. Tom and Maureen are part of our Crossfire congregation. After the celebration was over, Tom and Maureen and I were standing there in front of Tom's dad's casket, and Tom and Maureen and I started to talk a little bit about how we seem to resemble our parents more and more as we get older. You ever realize that? That the older we get, the more we tend to take on the characteristics of our parents. Tom said, you know, I can be talking and people will be listening to me or I can be out doing something and I'll be acting in a certain way with certain mannerisms and people will say to me, okay, Gene. (laughs) And I said, I get that. I'll be visiting my mother in the town that I grew up in and I'll be walking towards somebody that grew up, that was in the church that I grew up in, that watched me grow up up and knew my dad. And as I walk toward them, they will greet me with, well, hi, Dan. (laughs) Well, I'm not Dan. My name is David. But how often does it happen to us? People see our parents. In there was a young man in the youth group from the church that I served in Franklin, and he was married a year or so ago, and just a couple of weeks ago, he had his first child, a, a beautiful little boy. And mom posted a picture of the little boy on Facebook. And, and I commented on the picture, he has his daddy's smile. <laughs> How often do we point out features of parents or family members that, that seem to reside in sons or in daughters or in grandchildren? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's interesting that it's really not unlike the relationship between Jesus and his father, really. Check this out. Jesus said, don't you believe that I am in the father and that the father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the father that's living in me who is doing his work. Jesus was pretty clear that he understood that it was his father residing 
in him. You get that, right? His father is residing in him. In Mark's gospel, Jesus says that something else resides in him. Something even more powerful resides in him. We have to look a little more carefully to get what resides in him, but it's there. So take a look at Mark chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you or your electronic devices, this is Mark chapter 1, and we're going to start to read in verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And they too followed him. Friends, the word of God for the people of God. Let me hear you. Thanks be to God. So in Mark's gospel, things move pretty quickly. We're going to be spending a little time in Mark's gospel in the coming weeks. And you discover that Mark moves pretty quickly in the events of Jesus. For example, it doesn't take many verses for Jesus to move from the waters of baptism into the desert where he is tempted to preaching his first sermon. It it all happens pretty fast. And this first sermon that Jesus preaches is pretty simple. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Adjust your life. Alter your life, Jesus says, because the kingdom of God is near. Now watch this. He says, it's near in me. This kingdom of God, the reign of God, life with God in charge, what that looks like, it resides in me. It's like what Paula was saying about truth. Jesus doesn't bring truth with him. Jesus is truth. It's the same way here with the kingdom. Jesus doesn't bring the kingdom of God with him. Jesus is the kingdom of God. Now that's a pretty bold statement, right? That's a little different than saying, wow, you have your daddy's smile. (laughs) It's a little different. It's a bold statement. Jesus says, I, the kingdom of God has come near and I am it. And then he says, this kingdom present demands a response. 
Repent, he says, and believe the good news. That word repent, we've talked about it before. Leave a life that is walking away from God and embrace a life that's walking toward God. The Greek word actually means to change the way you think, to think differently, to reorient your life around Jesus Christ being in charge. And that word believe, that's that word I've been introducing to you over the past few months, the word pistis, that means more than just thinking about something, more than just says, yes, I believe. It means to, to alter your life and to live differently based upon something you've come to understand as true. Repent and trust the good news. To live differently based upon this good news that I'm giving you. What's interesting about this kingdom that Jesus brings to us is that Jesus does not say that this kingdom that he is is something that can be manipulated. He doesn't say, look, I'm here. Do with it what you want. This kingdom is not something that you and I can pick from and say, well, okay, I can take a little of that, and I can take a little of that, and, and maybe it'll mesh with the life that I already have. have. It's, it's this life that Jesus says, you've got to do something with this. The kingdom comes just as it is. It doesn't need any help from us. We don't need to, to debate whether or not it is the kingdom. The kingdom is. It's the kingdom that is the truth for all of the universe. And Jesus says it demands our response. Wow. That's pretty bold. So what are we going to do with it? How does that intersect with our life? This kingdom that is Jesus Christ. Think about it this way. If you and I say yes to Jesus Christ, if we say, Jesus, come and be my Savior and Lord, then that Jesus comes to reside in us. He becomes part of us. And if Jesus Christ is the kingdom of God, then guess what else becomes part of us? Not a trick question. What else becomes part of us? The kingdom becomes part of us. And that means, sisters and brothers, that wherever Jesus goes, the kingdom goes. And if Jesus is in us, then guess what else is in us? The kingdom is in us. And Luke says it that way. Luke says the kingdom of God is in you. And so that means that wherever we happen to be as people who follow Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God is. So we have a decision to make. We have a decision to make every day. We have a decision to make every moment. Are we going to ignore this kingdom that is within us and simply live according to all the other kingdoms that are a part of the lives that we live? Or are we going to live according to the kingdom of God that's in us and seek to influence the other kingdoms that are part of our life? Well, pastor, what are the other kingdoms that are part of our life? What do you mean that we live in other kingdoms? Well, think about it. We live in a bunch of kingdoms. 
don't we? The kingdom of self. We live in a kingdom called the media. We live in a kingdom called social media. We live in a kingdom called our past. We live in a kingdom called the the political realm. Any kind of a kingdom, any kind of a thing that's out there that would seek to get our allegiance, that would seek to exert control or power over us, that can be a kingdom. And we live in a bunch of them. Are you out there? We live in a bunch of them. And the question that comes to you and to me every day, virtually every moment is, which kingdom are we going to live in? Are we going to live in this kingdom that is in us because we are followers of Jesus Christ? Are we going to live by that kingdom and seek to influence the other kingdoms? Or are we going to ignore this kingdom that's in us or put it on the back burner? And say, well, you know, it's just a whole lot easier to go with the flow. It's a whole lot easier to just kind of give in to the other popular kingdom that's around us because it's less work. It's easier to do it that way. But the call of the kingdom that's in us is to to follow Jesus and influence the other kingdoms that are around us. Influence those kingdoms in the way that points them toward Jesus Christ the one who is the way and the truth and the life. Because when we live in this kingdom that is Jesus Christ, it causes us to see the other kingdoms differently. It causes us to see things in those other kingdoms that maybe other people won't see. Let me, let me, let me, let me say it this way. I, I've told you before that we have a dog. Have I told you that? We have this little dog called Henry James. Henry James Jan. Sounds regal, doesn't it? And I can pretty well guarantee you that Henry James right now is the orneriest dog in this room. He is really ornery. He has all kinds of toys, and he plays with a few of them, but he rarely chews on any of them. What he chews on are my shoes and the ribbons on my Bibles. And you dare not leave a paper towel laying unguarded anywhere in this house because it will be shreds in a matter of seconds. You better not ever come to visit us at our house without at least 20 minutes warning because Betsy and I will have to go around and clean up all of the paper towels that are shredded around the house, okay? This dog is the orneriest dog that we have ever had. Now, some would say that he's just a bad dog. And some would say that we should probably just give up on him and take him to the Humane Society and go and search for a good dog. But there's another explanation to Henry's behavior. See, there's a backstory. And the backstory is that Henry's not yet six months old, which means he's still a puppy, which means he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do 
as a puppy. And he's not had any training yet. You see it? There's a backstory. Life in the kingdom of God, living life following Jesus Christ, is to always look for the backstory. Aren't you glad that when Jesus Christ came into your life, he looked for the backstory? He loved you. And he said, I'm not just going to deal with what it looks like in the present. I'm going to look for the backstory. I'm going to look for why you got to be where you are. And I'm going to set you free from that. And I'm going to forgive you and love you anyway. Aren't you glad? That's life in the kingdom of God. Life in the kingdom of God works to engage the other kingdoms and look for the backstory. Look for the story of why people who need to lay on a mat like this are laying on a mat like this. Try to figure out why and love them and point them to Jesus. Why is it that people are struggling with addiction? There's a backstory to every person that struggles with addiction. The kingdom of God, people living in the kingdom of God, look for that and try to point people to Jesus. Do you see it? Why are people locked in, in their past? Because there's a backstory. And we have to try to look for that and love them into that and love them through it and point them to Jesus. The kingdoms of this world just give up on people. Life in the kingdom that follows Jesus never gives up on people because Jesus never gives up on people. Amen. My goodness, I've become a pulpit pounder. <laughs> you following me? See, the invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to set aside these other kingdoms, just like Simon and Andrew and James and John set aside their other life and, and reoriented themselves around Jesus and let Jesus lead. It, it's a choice to, to see life based upon the Christ that's alive in you. And to seek to allow that Christ and the kingdom that he represents to influence the other kingdoms and not allow the other kingdoms to influence you. There's another place of intersection, I think, with this kingdom of God that is Jesus Christ. But we have to go a little further into Mark's gospel to get it in the 13th chapter of Mark's gospel, Jesus and his disciples are talking about the end of things. And Jesus is responding to his disciples who said, Jesus, how will we know when the end is here? How will we know when the end of time has come? What are the signs? And Jesus has shared with, with the disciples some of those indicators, some of those signs that will predict the end. And then at the end of that chapter, Jesus says something pretty bold. And here's what he says. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Pretty bold. 
Think about that for a minute. Heaven and earth, he says, will pass away, and that means that all of the kingdoms within heaven and earth will also pass away. You, you with me? All, all of the kingdoms in heaven and earth will pass away. But then he says, but my words, my words, the one who is the reign of God, who is the kingdom of God, those words will never pass away. So what, what I get from that is simply this. All of the other kingdoms, the kingdoms that we live in, all of those kingdoms will pass away, but the only one that will last forever is the kingdom of God. You with me? The only one that's going to last forever is the kingdom of God. So don't you think that we ought to really pay attention to whether or not we are living our lives in the kingdom of God. Don't you think that's important? And oh, by the way, church, don't you think the church ought to be focused pinpoint on doing everything we can to invite people to live in the kingdom of God? You know, there's a whole lot of other things the church could be doing, a lot of other things the church could be focused on, but none more important than inviting people to live in the kingdom of God. So, here's my challenge for you and for me this week, and I include myself in this, because this, it's not easy, it's not easy to always live with Jesus Christ in charge and seek to live so that His kingdom can influence the others. It's not easy. I wish I could stand up here and tell you, I've got this mastered, and I'll tell you how to do it. I don't. It's not easy. So here's what I want us to, to do this week so that we can keep this, this Jesus and his lead and his kingdom front and center. I want us to wrestle this week with the Joshua question. What's the Joshua question? At the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua is is pretty old now. The people of Israel have come and conquered the promised land and they're living in a place of relative ease and peace and safety. And Joshua's nearing the end of his life. So he calls all of Israel together at a place called Shechem. And he goes through a process of what's called the covenant renewal. And as a part of renewing the covenant between God and his people, Joshua says this, now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the God your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the God your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The Joshua question. Let me simplify that a little bit with this image. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The Joshua question. 
I want us to wrestle with that this week. But I don't want to just wrestle with it for a day. Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve. I, I, I think it's a question that we have to wrestle with every minute. Don't, don't you? It, it, it's something that doesn't just happen once. It's some, something that happens every time we turn our phones on. It's something every time we, t- we, we turn the television on. It, it, it's something that we have to come to again and again and again. Choose this day whom you will serve. Are you out there? It's something that happens consistently. Who will you serve in your marriage? Who will you serve parenting your children? Who will you serve at work? Who will you serve when you engage the political landscape? Who will you serve when you post something on social media? Who will you serve when you respond to that person who's arguing with you? Who will you serve when you're dealing with that struggling teenager? Who will you serve when you're dealing with that person who's relapsed in their addiction? Who will you serve when you look at your future? See, that question faces us every minute. And you might say, Pastor, boy, that's a lot to think about. It is. But allegiances matter. Because whoever we choose as the ultimate authority in our lives determines what the rest of our life is going to look like. And ultimately, it's going to determine what our contribution to the rest of the world will be. Who will you serve? So I'll leave you with this. Those who choose even on a small scale to love in the midst of hatred and fear are the people who offer true hope to the world. You out there? Those who choose even on a small scale to love in the midst of hatred and fear are the people who offer true hope. To the world. Amen? That, my friends, is living with God in charge.